everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Literally Disturbed. <laughs> I'm Katie. I'm Brittany. And we're going to tell you things today. Mm-hmm. Mouth words. Yep. Memory things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually went on an adventure last night. It was super fun, and we totally did not get eaten up by a massive swarm of mosquitoes. Yeah, I, I brought off, so it could protect us a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I still am covered in mosquito bites. True. <laughs> Same. Um, but yeah, so it the location is a secret because mm-hmm. we did some filming for our Patreon, our patrons on Patreon. Yes. So if you would like to see this video, then please go and become a patron. Yes, and check out this awesome content because it was a lot so of fun. Awesome. And Sophie was along with us mm-hmm. and we got a bunch of... Really cool shots. We might give you a little teasers on Instagram. Like, I, I post a little teaser video, but yeah, if you want the actual real, like, full-on content, friends. It's not, I don't want to, like, oversell it, <laughs> but we had fun. We did, and listen, even though we may not have, like, super awesome quality video content currently. We don't have that experience yet. We don't, but we're working on yes. it, and this video is really great. Katie did a great job on it. And regardless of all of that, when you become a Patreon member, a patron, when yeah. you become a, a helper of our stuff, stuff. <laughs> it that helps us keep going, you know, and helps fun because it's, it, you know, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy this. Yes. But there's also other things that go into just. And we it, appreciate every yeah, little so bit of help. You don't have to. No, definitely not. But it's but only $5 that's, a month. That's the incentive of yeah. when you join in to help us out. Hey, we're going to throw you some extra content. Yes. Um, and we actually went and ate because it was in Denton. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It, the location was in Denton. Doesn't, you don't know where it's at um, here in Texas. We'll just say and, Denton County. Yeah, Denton County. Um, and we went and ate at this cool little hipster um, sandwich shop. Like sandwich, sandwich hamburgers and wings. Yeah. Things. It's called the Fat Shack. Mm-hmm. This is not an ad, but I mean, hey. Oh, hey, Fat Shack. <laughs> I deliver it, for you a lot, so, you know. It was interesting. So <laughs> I got a sandwich that was like white bread. It had macaroni. Macaroni bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it had bacon and it had mozzarella sticks and then it had french fries. And chicken strips. No chicken strips. You didn't have chicken strips? No. That's all that it was. The only meat on it was the bacon. Oh, okay. And then it came with buffalo sauce, but I had them put that on the side. But it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like fried Rice Krispie treats, which I've never heard of. I was serious. I wish we would have got those. I was debating between those and the funnel cake bites because, Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. But you know, timing and. Yeah, I was kind of full. Yeah. But yeah, so oh, we, we didn't even eat all of our food. We got the smallest sandwich there was. Yeah. I got the donkey lips. <laughs> I think mine's the fat cow. Yeah, mine was the donkey lips. And I got, um, it had chicken strips, mozzarella sticks, uh, French fries, lettuce, blue cheese, and blue cheese crumbles, and then buffalo sauce. And it was screaming. The fries. Screaming. Honestly, though, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Honestly, though, I think the fries were my favorite part because they were just delightfully crunchy mm-hmm. and just so mm, good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Anyways, and it's just a chill vibe there. Yeah. Excuse me. It's just a chill vibe there. Like you go and they have a huge beanbag sack that you can go and chill in in the corner and anime playing. Yeah. And it's like one of their t-shirts is like, let's roll a doobie and eat 
Fat Shack or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I think there's even one of the sandwiches is called like the Doobie yeah. or something. It was but fun. It's fun. It was experience. it was a I'd neat little again. yeah. Um, and so we we yeah we met up and ate there, and then we drove to the little. And I tried to explain to her where this was. You know, where we're going. It's it's kind of it's it's known to be very scary, very haunted. Obviously, otherwise, what the heck are we talking about mm-hmm. here? But it's kind of like its own little. Like you drive up and you look and there's like a sports complex and kids like seriously the first time I went there was kids playing soccer right next to it mm-hmm. and you pass that right around the corner and then there it is and you just go back in this little like tucked in corner of the woods and yeah it's very interesting we had a lot we had a lot of fun it yeah. was a little um um well let's just put it this way <laughs> I posted a video on Snapchat is the video I put on uh, Instagram but. Someone responded saying, don't mess with the devil. That's a scary thing. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I totally understand from the picture that you saw and how uh-huh. weird and creepy I was acting in the video. <laughs> but it's like we're here for a purpose. We're not just like yeah. hocus pocusing it out over here, you know, yeah, no, sacrificing we didn't, children or we something. We weren't. We we just went out there to just take videos and photos. We didn't try yeah. to like disrupt anything that was out there. Uh, anyways, so that was fun. And uh, is there anything else we wanted to talk about? Oh, we have a new patron. A patron. Hmm. Um. Her name is Atinas. Hello. Thank you so much for. I hope I said your name right. But well, thank you. Yes. Friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining our crew. I've talked our, to her. Our a few LD times crew on inst- on the Insta. And I'm going to try to be more active on Insta. If you fellow friends haven't figured out, I'm more of a Facebook old person and Katie is more of the cool, hip Insta person. That's kind of where our roles play. Uh So usually if you're on Facebook, you're probably talking to me. If you're on Instagram, you're probably talking to her. Yeah. (laughs) Brittany comes in on a few times. Yeah, I do. I'm like, oh, this is directed towards you. And I usually, like, if I know it's an instance where you've been talking more, I'll, like, put, like, dash B, like, to let people know (laughs) it's me. Like, hey, it's me. I'm the weird one over here saying things. Same. Um, Anyways, but, yeah, thanks all of our cool friends. And, oh, we have a shout out for our peanut friend. Oh, yes. Hi, Peanut friends. Um, We love you. So our friend Fallon um, has a TikTok, and it's really cool and fun. I love the name. It's so cool. It's uh, Tonks, uh, T-O-N-K-S, the serial killer cat. That's the (laughs) username. So go on there and give them a follow and support them. It would mean a lot. Yeah. Spanky, spanky for being our friend. And thank you, Atinas, for... uh, donating to us we appreciate it and thank you to the ones that have donated again because that's super cool honestly like i know this is sad but i never think of people i know but i never think people are actually gonna keep doing yeah (laughs) i don't know thank you for it's cool thanks friends for not just doing it one time and And being like and screw but if you do that's cool yes because anything helps and anything is cool and and everything is cool Everything is awesome. No, no that's no, ma'am. that's super. That's super. I'm learning German, you guys. <laughs> and that's what they say. Canada and super. I just hear her little Duolingo app keep going <laughs> off. And this is not an ad either. So hey, Duolingo, if you want to sponsor sponsorships, us. we need them. Yes, sponsorships, please come to us now. They probably won't after that though. Listen, I can sing you a freaking jingle. Okay. <laughs> You can try. Okay, anyways, do you want to get into your story? No. No. It's not super. It's good. 
Okay. Okay. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, by the way, I really like, I'm told, I know I'm joking, but I legit am learning she is, German. I and I like, I'm taking it seriously because I just, it's something I've always wanted to do. And I think it's really It's part cool. of our, our ancestors. Yeah. So like cool I'm, to learn. if you look at me, I'm screaming German. <laughs> but yeah, German, trying to, yes. trying to get in touch with my ancestor roots, you know. Yeah. And I've learned that I actually picked up on, other than my joking aside, I'm actually fairly decent at comes natural to it, her. It does. It comes very natural to me. Okay. Wiedersehen. All right. Goodbye. Good, yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, okay, so I have a... Okay, we're gonna just going to go okay. story story time, friends. That's what we're here for, right? Is this like a, a, a personal story time or a story story time? <laughs> oh, no, legit. My story. Okay. Like what we're all here for. I was for, like, are we derailing real? again? No, for real. Like the what's gotcha. on the I'm picking up what you're putting day. down. Okay, so... I strongly suggest that you guys watch this episode after you listen to me first. Don't pause and watch and then go just the after. Whole, the whole episode yeah. you have to listen to. <laughs> yes. And then, then you go after you're done with us, you move on to them. And you can add it to the show notes, right? Oh, yeah. Episode. It's 2020, but I'll find I'll find the exact episode so you don't okay. have to hunt through it like I will have to to find yeah. it again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, I watched a special on there and it is like, Super good. <laughs> Just kidding. It was really, it was really interesting, and it's a true crime that after last week's true crime, which as wonderful, I won't say as wonderful as important as that story is, and you know we all can agree, totally needed to be told. It was just sad, and it was kind of the. All of you, you just need to know, those are the ones that are always going to get me, okay? Those are the kids' stories. I've got four babies, you guys, so it's impossible for me to not yeah. just, like... <sighs> Anyways, um, so I've got one that's a really good true crime story, but nobody dies. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's still true crime, though. Yeah, it's still true nobody... crime, but just nobody dies. It's another kind of crime. That is true. It's still interesting, though, because I watched the episode, Yeah, too. it's really cool. So, okay. And you prob- some of you have probably heard of her because this is a pretty big story. But I'm telling it because, well, we haven't done it before, and it's cool, A, and B, because it's ongoing right now. So there's, like, developing things that I figured we could, like, keep touching on when we have new developments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyways, <clears throat> friends, I'm going to introduce you to Elizabeth Holmes today. Okay. Okay. So I think it's fair to say that people all across the world in all shapes, sizes, and colors are affected by poor health in some way. Yeah. Right. Um, I know just from my personal experiences being pregnant four times, the amount of testing that goes on during that time is insane between, you know, diabetes and iron and do you have this and does your baby have that? And But the biggest thing that I remember was the vials and vials of blood that they would have to take on so many different visits and you know every time you're pregnant that's just even more like it's nuts if you have a phobia of needles you have to get over that real quick when you right? were pregnant yeah so yeah, just I remember don't like that getting shots. it's not fun it, it I don't enjoy it but you know even if even if you don't have a phobia the amount of times you get stuck with those things is a lot like yeah. it's just a lot the idea of replacing those vials and vials of blood with just a drop and still be able to test for those things is a miracle to most people who have continued health care. You know, yeah. being pregnant is one thing. You do it for a little while and then you're done and you don't have to have it. But for people who this is their life and they continuously have to be checked and regulated and, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's it's a 
it's terrible. I remember, you know, our granny, our mom's mom, she always had health issues my entire life. Like she was always in and out of the hospital. But, um, I remember the last doctor's visit I ever went with her. Um, I'll remember, I remember two things. A, the gigantic book of prescriptions that she had to tell her doctor that she was taking, Mm -hmm. which was just bonkers to me. Like she literally had a book with all of them written out exactly how much she was prescribed, how many times she took it a day. Yeah. And then, um, they tried to take her blood, like, you know, obviously for testing and her veins are so her because she was like in her 70s. She was old. Mm-hmm. So her skin and her veins and everything are not what they used to be. And trying to find any kind of viable vein was just torturous for her. She yeah. got stuck so many times trying to find anything. So it's just terrible. The kind of stuff that, you know, people have to go through mm-hmm. when they're, you know, have continued health. So <laughs> heaven must have parted the skies and shine down upon Elizabeth Holmes because according to her in 2014 TED Talk, she states that her company, Theranos, has the capability not only to test for hundreds of issues with only a drop of blood, but the results would be available, like, right after, instead of waiting sometimes days or weeks for the results to come back. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, revolutionary. Yeah. This is incredible. You know, this is, like, changing the whole healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is who, this is who we're going we're gonna to chat about here, Miss Elizabeth Holmes. Um, I'm going to give you a little backstory on her just to kind of see like where she grew up and how she came to be, you know, this inventor of this life changing revolutionary process. Okay. Um, so she grew up in a family that held itself to a certain level of prestige to say the least um, with her great grandfather. I'm sorry, her great great grandfather being Christian Rasmus Holmes who was a surgeon and had um, Cincinnati General Hospital named after him. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so he was a big fella. Um, not, I mean, big like, names. Pronou- like, he, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he was, he was a, anyways. He was also married, <laughs> shut up, I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. He was also married to the daughter of Charles Fleischman, who founded the Yeast Company. For those of you who like to cook bread, the little, you know, yeast and butter and stuff that they make, that's that's who founded this company. He married her daughter, okay? And then her great-grandfather was also an entrepreneur, and he's the one who developed the little package of the instant yeast or whatever that you can use that I use to make my breadsticks that are delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. They are pretty good. Or just bread in general. But yeah, yes. so those little packages, her great grandfather was the one who came up with that whole idea and started selling those. Okay. Um, and then her father is a Christian Rasmus Holmes IV, and he was the vice president at Enron. Um, for those of you who know, you know. Katie didn't, so I had to explain it to her. Yep. It was before her time. But we'll get into that a little bit later down the road. But he was the Vice president of Enron, which is a energy company. Where the hell am I? Okay, it's an energy company that was relevant like in the early 2000s, okay? Um, Elizabeth's mother was Noelle Ann Doust, and she worked as a congre- I'm sorry, as a congressional committee staffer. So she was in politics. Her dad was the vice president of this massive company. Her whole family was very prestigious, had a title to uphold or a status to to Mm -hmm. uphold you know um her father had connections with all kinds of rich famous very well-known people her mother as well obviously had 
political connections, et cetera, whatever. So she came from a big well-to-do family. She was their only child. She was their daughter. Obviously, she's got a lot of shoes to fill. Yeah. And a lot of status to uphold. So I think, you know, we can all kind of agree at this point that the pressure was on for her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, So that basically, you know, like that's just a lot of pressure for anyone to be under, no matter what status in society your family falls under. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who you are. That's just a lot for anyone. Yeah. With that being said, um, Elizabeth wasn't at the top of her class, so her parents resorted to trying a backdoor tactic to get her into Stanford. Now, Richard, I'm not sure how to say this, so I'm just going to say it the best way I can. Foosh? Foosh? I guess it's Foosh. I'm just going to call him Richard. He's an MD and is a Georgetown-educated psychiatrist, inventor, and former CIA agent who has known Elizabeth Holmes since childhood. She was very great, or he was very good friends with her father. Um, he explains that she was a fair student with low grades. Her ch- her parents heard through their channels that she could improve her chances if she took a summer program. They sent her to China to go and learn Mandarin in this school program before she graduated. Okay. I'm sorry, my notes are weird. Okay, so she was obviously... Not happy, and while she was in China, she hated it. Uh, or he said Elizabeth would call the house from China crying. Noel would take the calls from Elizabeth and ask my ex-wife to pick up. Elizabeth said the people were dirty and the hotel is filthy, and I want to come home. But Noel would tell her to stop complaining and get with the program. Oh, okay. Yeah, like sorry, kid, you're you're stuck. Yeah. Meanwhile, Holmes's father Chris used his influence to get a good job at Enron which he became the vice president for. And then after Enron collapsed, he came back to Washington and was broke. And he came crying to his friend, Richard. And he's like, basically has no money. And he was living in a, a, a new house a few blocks away. So he gave them, he's like, look, y'all can come and stay in my other house. Free of rent. Just get back on your feet, whatever. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they were pretty good friends. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so that's the parents that are, st- or the dad staying in the. I think it was at this, well, uh, probably the parents, both yeah. of them, because I think at this point she was like off to college or heading off to college okay. or she was in China. She wasn't there. Anyways, so in 2002, Holmes, Elizabeth, I just feel weird calling them by their last name. So Elizabeth attended Stanford where she studied chemical engineering and worked as a student researcher. And, a la- and as a laboratory assistant in the School of Engineering. Um, after the end of her freshman year, Holmes worked in a laboratory at the Genome Institute of Singapore and tested, um, are you ready for this? She tested for severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus. Oh. SARS-CoV-1. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, through the collection of blood samples with syringes. Um, she filed her first patent application on a wearable drug delivery patch in 2003. Mm-hmm, okay. While attending Stanford, she had the idea to reap vast amounts of data from a few droplets of blood derived from the tip of a finger. To her medis- uh, she, So she basically she came up with this idea. It came to her professor, Phyllis Gardner, and... You know, Gardner responded, I don't think your idea is going to work, explaining that it was impossible to do what Elizabeth was claiming could be done. Several other medical professors told Holmes the same thing, told Elizabeth the same thing. I've got to stick with one name. However, Elizabeth did not relent. She succeeded in getting her advisor and the dean of the School of Engineering, Channing Robertson, to back her idea. Okay. So in March of 2004, she decided to quit Stanford in a true entrepreneurial fashion. Okay, so she dropped out 
And she decided to use her tuition money as seed funding for her consumer healthcare technology company. Her father then used his connections to introduce her to a major venture capitalist. This is a quote. Um, Chris used a contact at the IMF, John Lipsky, to get Donald L. Lucas, a very influential venture capitalist, involved. He was the founding investor and chairman of Oracle. And this was when she was 21. So Elizabeth called Lucas from China, and he would hear her speaking Mandarin in the background. When he saw how attractive she was, he got Oracle chairman Larry Ellison involved, and he invested, said Richard. This is from Richard. Okay, because she was attractive. She was smart and speaking Mandarin Mm -hmm. and seemed very well cultured and Mm -hmm. came from a prominent family. So, yeah, she went to Stanford. She's got this brilliant idea. Who am I to question it? Take my money. Take my money, please. That's what she did indeed. So, as Lucas explained in a 2009 interview with um, then-Berkeley PhD student Sally Smith-Hughes, my assistant said, I had a call from Beijing. Of course I'll take the call, he said. You've got to meet this young lady, Elizabeth Holmes. John, what? You've got to meet her. She's fabulous. Okay, I'm figuring 20 minutes, right? This lady comes in. I think she's probably 21 at the time, had just left Stanford, didn't graduate, and now she has a company called Theranos. I thought this was going to be a short conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now I'm a chairman of the board and spend a lot of time with her in the company, and she's doing SUPA. (laughs) Is that going to be your new way of saying super? And it's actually not. SUPA means great, not super, actually. Good to know. We all learned a, a German word. You learn something new every day. And from us, most of the time, it's going to be disturbing. <laughs> Newness. Anyways, like this is pretty disturbing. Anyways, okay, so continuing on. Uh, Elizabeth founded the company Real-Time Cures in Palo Alto, California, in efforts to democratize healthcare. Elizabeth described her fear of needles as a motivation and sought to perform blood tests using only small amounts of blood. In 2003, Elizabeth renamed the company Theranos, which um, is a combination of therapy and diagnosis. Okay. Robertson became the company's first board member and introduced Elizabeth to venture capitalists. She was also an admirer of Apple founder Steve Jobs and deliberately copied his lifestyle, frequently dressing in black turtleneck sweaters, just as Jobs did. And her mother, she says her mother dressed her in black turtlenecks when she was young, but an employee says that that didn't happen until about 2007. Okay. So, you know. Um, You'll also notice, which we are going to, oh, oh, here's my time to, which I did research this and made sure it was okay before. I And it was from Buzzsprout. They said it's okay. What? What I'm about to do. About to do it to it. Are you adding sound effects? Yes, just a little clip. So if you, during most of her public appearances, she spoke in a deep baritone voice. And she, and I'll tell you, you know, a speech that she had later. But I want you to listen to this. This is from an interview later on. And and I'll actually quote from this later. But I just want you to hear her voice. This is what happens when you work to change things. And first they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. And um I have to say, I, I, I personally was shocked to see that the journal would publish something like this. Her voice, her deep baritone voice. Okay, uh, that. Her that voice, her voice. So deep. Like Paris Hilton. Oh, I actually watched 
I'm going to derail for a second. I actually watched a um, Red Table Talk. It was actually a Red Couch Talk with Willow Smith and Paris Jackson. Oh. It was really good. Um, was- but apparently Paris, with Paris Jackson was named Paris because both Paris Hilton's dad and Michael, I guess, were friends. And they made a pact that they were going to name their first daughters Paris. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah. Huh. Straight from P2 herself. Cool. Because P1 is Paris Hilton. <laughs> That's what she says. Okay. Anyways, okay. Moving moving right along. Okay, so back to our fun stuff here. Okay, so that's her voice, guys. <laughs> that's what she sounds like. Um, But okay, there is a purpose behind this. You know, you got to think this this woman was in a position where she needed to... Yes, I hear you, computer. We're going to shut you now. She's, you know, we we explained she's in a very crazy spot as far as what she needs to do in society. She needs to make a big mark. She needs to, she's got this family status, blah, 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 whatever reasons people do crazy things. And she's also young. She's very young, you know, and, and it's one thing for, and please, my fellow sisters, understand me when I say this, that I'm seeing because this is reality, not what it should be. But it's one thing for a man to drop out to drop out of college and to go and start his own company. It's a whole different ball game for a woman to do it. You know, yeah. like there's a whole nother set of rules you got to play by. And she knew the idea of making her, while she's beautiful, because she is, she's blonde haired, bright, piercing blue eyes, big full lips. She's gorgeous. But to display this deep baritone voice makes her sound more like a man. So it gives her a little bit more power and assertion and when she speaks very articulately and slowly and she's able to come across as she knows what she's talking about, you know? Mm. Um, okay. Right? Yeah, I never would have thought about that. Yeah. So that's that's why she used that deep. It's just to, compa- to, it's just to command more power in the conversation because okay. her being a young woman, you know. It's interesting. Right. As she is like pitching her idea for this company, this is kind of, some of what you would hear from her, okay? If I had one wish standing here with all of you, it would be that today, just for a minute, you think about the fact that we have this right, a human right, to engage with information about ourselves, about our bodies, and for those that we love to engage with information about themselves. And when we do that, we will change our lives, and the lives of those we love will change. And we'll begin to change our healthcare system and our world. So her speech is po- or her speech posts Theranos's supposed technology as the answer to a human rights issue. Healthcare is the leading cause of bankruptcy. She also spoke about her uncle who inspired Theranos. She talked about spending summers with him and that she remembered how much I loved him. Her uncle was diagnosed with, as she says, skin cancer, which all of a sudden was brain cancer. And then noted that she passed away, or that he passed away from cancer before she could say goodbye. So this was like one of the reasons why she wanted this testing to be quicker and more readily available and require less blood, blah, 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 was because she couldn't say goodbye to her uncle. Okay. Um, We see a world in which people get access to laboratory information late at night on a weekend early in the morning in rural areas. Um, and establishing decentralized and distributed, or I'm sorry, and distributed testing frameworks, a world in which decentralized care begins to be possible in developing economies. That sounds good, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, by December 2004, Holmes had raised $6 million to fund the firm. Holy crap. Oh, it just, just wait. By the end of 2010, Theranos had more than $92 million in venture capital. <laughs> that jumped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess investing and then yeah. capital. Yeah. Yes, there's a difference. Um, but yeah, that's a lot. That's it. That is a lot. So in July of 2011, Holmes was introduced to former Secretary of State George Schultz. After a two-hour meeting, he joined the Theranos Board of Directors. Elizabeth was recognized for forming, quote, the most illustrious board in U.S. corporate history over the next three years. Okay. So that was something that she had. I'm, 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 I want you to understand very clearly the people she had on her board of directors were very prominent people worldwide. Like these were very, in their specific fields of knowledge, they were very great. Mm-hmm. And they saw this young, beautiful woman who had this great idea. And of course, they're going to jump on board because yeah. they think it's the next big, you know, next big thing, whatever. Um, so Elizabeth operated Theranos in stealth mode. Without press releases or a company website until September of 2013, when the company announced a partnership with Walgreens to launch in-store blood sample collection centers. Um, She was interviewed for Medscape by its editor-in-chief, Eric Topol, who praised her for this phenomenal rebooting of laboratory medicine. Uh, Media attention increased in 2014 when when Elizabeth appeared on the cover of Fortune, Forbes, T, the New York Times style magazine, and Inc. Forbes recognized Elizabeth as the world's youngest self-made female billionaire and ranked her at number number 110 on the Forbes 400 in 2014. Damn. Theranos, the company, was valued at $9 billion and had raised more than $400 million in venture capital. Shit. And she hasn't even produced one thing. Not a not a thing. Hmm. By the end of 2014, her name appeared on 18 U.S. patents and 66 foreign patents. During 2015, Elizabeth established agreements with Cleveland Clinic, Capital Blue Cross, AmeriHealth, Caritas to use Theranos technology. Okay, obviously, guys, this is a scam. Okay, that's what we're leading up to here. Yeah. <laughs> um. I and I and I want to just go ahead and get that out there because I want to discuss this and I don't want to have to go back and I'll probably forget. This is how easy it can be to be scammed by someone based on their powers of manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, she was she was smart enough to know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, where to say it, and who to say it to. Right. You know, and she had no product, no proof of any of this working. And they just willingly just kept giving her she money. She freaking made, I mean, she made a partnership with Walgreens. Yeah. You know, like, this is nuts to have, there's one on every corner, right? And to not have anything to show for it. She ended up, and I'm not sure where I'm at in my notes, but she ended up actually creating a prototype. Uh And it essentially kind of looks like, in my mind, this is the server in me, it looks like a, like a printer for receipts, you know, like a, what pops out the receipts when you print them out or whatever but a big one like a kind of like a computer tower size like it's big but still small enough that it can be installed yeah i mean it would be nothing to install this kind of thing into a walgreens and have it to where it's saying it worked correctly mind you that um you know they could come in and have it done and it wouldn't be a big deal to to add that into their stores so the technology behind it it was like this little cartridge and it kind of my I keep referring to certain people in this episode, and I'm sorry, but to all my other pregnant ladies or females who have peed on a pregnancy stick at any point in your life, it, it's kind of similar to that. 
you it's like you you drop the blood on it and it sucks it back into this little channel and then that's what you kind of plug it in like an SD card into this machine that she has and it's supposed to read it and print out the results. Okay. So that's what's supposed to happen. Things seem to be going amazing to say the least, but were they really? You see, Elizabeth ran her company in sections. Each department had a specific part in the research or operations of things. No department ever worked together on anything. I think it's what kept her going for so long, but it still didn't negate the fact that some of her equipment just straight up didn't work. Right. Um, so how this kind of happened, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little tidbit, and then I'm going to go into some more information, but there was a woman named Erica Chung who was a scientist, and she had just graduated, and if you watch the episode on 2020, like I said, you'll get more information. She actually does an interview, but she had just gotten out of whatever college she went to and was kind of doing... Not necessarily, I don't know if it was necessarily like an internship, but kind of like a, she was part of like a research program or something. Like mm-hmm. It was like some special thing for her to go and work for Theranos. Right. Especially just coming out of grad school or whatever. And her job, her specific job was to take the machine that was supposed to test the blood samples. And each day you had a, um, like a control. So you would run like the control test to make sure everything was calibrated correctly and then that's, you know, you would know it was working. So when you would run the test, all the levels would be accurate with that control, right? Mm-hmm. She noticed that pretty much every day the control failed. It didn't work. It wasn't accurate. And that they were still taking these different levels and print, sending them off to these people as true results. And that's messing with her with her health care, you know? Yeah. Um, there was one case where a man had been, um, he, he went to the, I think it was one of the, one of the ones that was installed in Walgreens. Oh, because he had diabetes. I'm sorry. He had diabetes and he had been working for several years on changing his diet, changing his um, lifestyle completely to, to fix those levels. And he had talked to his doctor and his doctor was like, hey, like, you know, let's go get this tested. There's this new thing. Go check it out here. You can get it done. It's real quick and easy. And then we can go from there. Well, according to that, <laughs> he was borderline diabetic again. Mm-hmm. He was like freaking out because his levels were astronomical and when they should have not been anywhere right. near that. So he goes, talks to his doctor. Luckily, his doctor is like, look, come in and let's do some more blood tests. You know, we'll figure out what's going on. And their blood tests, <laughs> their blood tests concluded that he was well within range. He was perfectly fine. He was nowhere near being borderline diabetic. He was fine. Yeah. But his issue was, what if I had taken an extra dose of insulin right there and I could have overdosed? Because that can kill you uh, if you take too much. Yeah. yeah. So that's a liability right there. Yeah. Um, there were several other instances where people went and got the, this testing done. One woman um, thought that she had cancer again because her tests, like her antibody levels or her white blood cell levels or whatever were way high and... And really, they were perfectly within range. She was fine. And I don't know, and I obviously have no idea if she actually thought about those things, but I would hope to think that she didn't even think about the possibility of that this, it could be ruining right. people's lives and affecting people and possibly hurting them if they... My my gut tells me that she honestly thought that she had a great idea and she was just somehow going to make it work. She was just yeah. going to make it happen. If she had enough money and had the right people in place that yeah. she could just make it happen and it just fell from the floor before she could. Yeah. And I think that's kind of her defense currently was, you know, just with any new technologies, there's bumps along the road and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would truly hope that that was never part of, 
her awareness or if it was, it wasn't something that she, she thought she was going to be able to fix, yeah. you know, um, because she was a very intelligent person. And I honestly think that at, at, at some point, at least she had good intentions, Yeah, at which where that line was crossed into the massive fraud case this woman's got going on right now. <laughs> I don't know, but right. anyways, so boobity boop boop boop. John Carew of the Wall Street Journal initiated a secret months-long investigation of Theranos after he received a tip from a medical expert who thought the Edison blood testing device seemed suspicious. This was Erica Chung. Um, and he ended up obtaining company documents in this investigation. Uh, so when... When Elizabeth learned that this was going on, she initiated a campaign through her lawyer, David Boyce, to stop Carrie U from publishing, which included legal and financial threats against both the journal and the whistleblowers. Mm. I'm telling you, these people were served with like hundreds of pages of documents of a cease and desist kind of thing. It was nuts. So despite the legal threats and strong arm tactics, Carrie U published a bombshell article detailing how the Edison device gave inaccurate results and revealing that the company had been using commercially commercially available machines made by other manufacturers for most of its testing. Oh. So so right. So basically what what was happening is they would take these quote, you know, the little cartridges that they're supposed to be putting these blood samples into and they would FedEx them to one of their laboratories where they would use regular blood testing machines just like all the other hospitals and laboratories used <laughs> to test this blood. And then they would super like air flight or care, care flight them, air flight, them, whatever they would overnight them back. So they would act like they're using this special procedure when in fact they're using the same procedure everyone else is doing and people are just paying more for it. <laughs> it's stupid. And they lied about it all. Oh, and yeah. she got caught. Um, so obviously she denied all the claims, calling the journal a tabloid and promising the company would publish data on accuracy of its test. She appeared on CNBC's Mad Money the same evening the article was published. And Kramer said the article is pretty brutal to which she and this is kind of the quote that I that we played earlier. She responded, this is what happens when you work to change things. First, they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. Then all of a sudden you change the world. Okay. Uh, or you go to jail. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. She hasn't yet. Anyway, so in January 2016, the Centers for Medical and Medicaid, or CMS, sent a warning letter to Theranos after the inspection of its Newark, California laboratory, and they uncovered irregularities with staff proficiency, procedures, and equipment. They proposed a two-year ban on Elizabeth from owning or operating a certified clinical laboratory after the company had not fixed its problems in its California lab in March of 2016. On the Today Show, Elizabeth said she was devastated we did not catch and fix these issues faster Uh, and said the lab would be rebuilt with help from a new scientific and medical advisory board. Okay. So in July 2016, CMS officially banned Elizabeth from owning, operating, or directing a blood testing service for a period of two years. Theranos appealed the decision to a U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Appeals Board. Shortly thereafter, Walgreens ended its relationship with Theranos and closed its in-store blood collection centers. Good. Yes. The FDA also ordered the company to cease its use of capillary tube nano, because that's what it was called. It was a capillary tube nanotainer device, which is one of its core inventions, so Mm -hmm. they couldn't use it anymore. 
In 2017, the state of Arizona filed a suit against Theranos, alleging that the company had sold a 1.5 million blood test to Arizonians while concealing or misrepresenting important facts about those tests. Mm -hmm. In April of 2017, the company settled for a lawsuit by agreeing to refund the cost of those tests to consumers and pay $225,000 in civil fines and attorney fees for a total of $4.65 million. Other reported ongoing actions included unspecified FBI investigation and two class action fraud lawsuits. Hmm. Elizabeth denied any wrongdoing. Okay. If you watch her TED Talks and her interviews from when everything was going good, she's so poised and so articulate and soft-spoken and just very, I'm Elizabeth Holmes and you are going to use my blood collector because I'm going to collect your blood. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I always got to take it there. Yeah. Anyways, but but then when you watch her being interviewed, like, or and I guess it's interviewed, but more or less interrogated on this. She's just, I don't recall. I don't remember. I'm not quite sure. Okay. It could have been. Well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's, that's what the lawyers tell you to do, though. It's, yeah. I don't recall or I don't remember. Yeah, instead of straight up denying it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't remember. Yeah. I've been looking into lawyer things so I can know stuff. Yeah. That's just a thing that they tell you. On May 16th, 2017, approximately 99% of Theranos shareholders reached an agreement with the company to dismiss all current and potential litigation in exchange for shares of preferred stock. Uh, Elizabeth released a portion of her equity to offset any dilution of stock value to non-participating shareholders. In March of 2018, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions charged Elizabeth and Theranos former president, uh, Ramesh Balwani with fraud for taking more than $700 million from investors while advertising a false product. But we're going to talk about Mr. Sunny here. He kind of oversaw all the different laboratories and the, just the daily runnings and operations because he was a scientist of sorts. Erica actually came to him when she first started and tried to explain to him, hey, like, this machine is malfunctioning, it's not working properly. And he, like, blew up at her and was just like, I'm so tired of these, you know, young know-it-alls coming and thinking that they can come and run the place <laughs> and change everything. And basically just shut her down and squashed it. Yeah. So that was that was an issue. He was part of keeping that all quiet and, you know, departments separate and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But they were also lovers, Secret lovers the whole time. Oh. Yeah. They got together when she was 18, I believe, or something. So, no, maybe not. Maybe that's a lie. So they were in cahoots together. I don't know. But they were together for a long time, yeah. And no one knew about it until all of this came out. Oh, and another scandalous. thing. Um, I don't have that in there, but I'm going to kind of rewind just a little bit because I there's one other note that I wanted to make. Because Erica Chung was contacted eventually by this reporter, but the main one um, that kind of stirred... This whole takedown of Theranos um, was Tyler Schultz, which I don't know if you remember, but George Schultz was one of the main, he became investors. Yeah, he went, became one of the main investors and was very much like pro Elizabeth. Like he hung on her every word. Yeah. Okay. So Tyler came in kind of as an intern, kind of like how Erica came in. It was, I don't know if he was quite an intern, but he was more on the um, business side of it as opposed to like the scientific part of. Like, 
running tests and, and kind of yeah. stuff like that. Like he had a, just a, he was just in a different department. So they never really him and Erica never really came in contact with each other. I think the first thing that came to his mind was when George went to go get some blood work done using the Theranos laboratories or whatever. And he noticed that they took vials of blood using a syringe and a needle. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but wait, the whole purpose is to only use a couple drops of blood. So I'm not understanding why is he needing, you know, vials of blood. He was brushed off saying, oh, the typical patient, this is what happens. But with him, his health issues require us to use this method. So that right there was like a red flag. Because obviously when they're taking his blood, they're going to want to make sure those results are accurate. So they're not going to use their machines. So that's why, yeah. Correct. So that was like his first red flag. And I think eventually he started like poking his nose and then that's how the whole Erica thing came in and, you know, John Carreyou and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But that happened and he actually went and talked to George and was like, look, I don't think this machine does not do what it says it's supposed to. I think she's lying. Like, this Mm -hmm. is all the proof I have. And he's like, no, no, no. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Yeah. Money, money, Theranos. Finally meets with this this, uh, journalist. And he he gets a call from his dad that night. And he's like, hey, have you been talking to the media? And he's like, yeah, actually, I have. And he's like, well, they know when you're fucked. Oh, shit. (laughs) So he was also someone that was served with... um, those several hundreds of yeah. pages of cease and desist, yeah. So that happened. And then eventually, obviously, when everything came out, his grandfather apologized and was like, I'm sorry, you're right. I should have mm-hmm. listened to you, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so back to where we're, where we're talking lawsuits. By March 14th of 2018, Elizabeth settled the SEC lawsuit. The charges of fraud included the company's false claim that, it was, that its technology was being used by the U.S. Department of Defense in combat situations. Because there was talks on the on the episode or the special that she was actually using um, these machines in ambulances, in care flight, oh, helicopters, airplanes, and that the military were using them as part of their, like... I just need yeah. to ask a question. Okay. And I know you're not going to know this answer, but Probably I just not. need to get it out there. Okay. If this machine did not work, why did everybody have it? That is like the literally $9 billion question. Really? I just don't understand why they wouldn't have tested it and made sure it worked before all these people just bought it. Literally, she had them implemented everywhere. Like, I just... Or she at least said she did to certain... Some stuff, and that might have been part of the fraud too, was like she was seeing she had some of this implemented and she really didn't. Um, Because I think that was one thing that she was telling some of the investors and he even went and was like, do you know that this is what she's saying, that she has these mm-hmm. and the blah, blah, blah. And, um, but even just with Walgreens, wouldn't Walgreens like have, want some well, kind of and, proof that it worked? And I think that that was, well, one of the investors that talked about it, who was, she wasn't like a big famous, she just had, you know, her life savings. That's all, it was all of her life savings. And she put it in this company because of the board, because of the people mm-hmm. that she was able with her connections to get on that board. That's how she was able to trick so many people because they saw these names. They're yeah. like, well, if they're of buying course. into it, then it's a for sure thing. But I so, just think even just because, okay. But still, how do you spend that much money and put that much and not even have evidence of it working? And it's not even like a robot that might flip your patties or something that mm-hmm. just doesn't work. It's something in the health. Right. Like. Yeah, it's the people could die from this. 
Well, not from, yeah, but like if they. From misreading results. Like you said about right. the guy with diabetes, if he yeah. would have taken an extra dose of insulin to get his numbers back up, he would have died. Yeah, exactly. And I just, for me in healthcare, I feel like that, that should have been, been tested. Right. And, and so, and there was another thing um, that it got brought up uh, that kind of spurred some of this investigation too was whenever they were doing, um, they were going to launch a, an ad campaign mm-hmm. for this. Uh, I think that, like they said, it was called Edison. They were going to do an ad campaign for it. And, and what's funny is it's the media lawyers that were the ones that started picking holes. And that's when they and started going and talking to people and pressuring people. And that's when they got them to come and come. Because that's how it all came out is this John Kerry, or I don't know if this is just John Kerry you, or there was a guy that was part of the media that came to him. Okay. <clears throat> but basically they were going to launch an ad campaign and when you do, any, when you're advertising for anything, what is the number one rule in advertising? You have to try the product out yourself before well, you. Well, no false advertisement. You cannot false advertise. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. have to try it like out it, before you. Right. So whenever they were um, setting up this campaign, they had all of these questions and they needed to know certain procedures and processes to mm-hmm. know that this machine worked before they could just go and launch this campaign. Mm-hmm. So, and they can never answer any of these. They can never gotcha. put for sure these questions or answer these questions. So they're like, well, we can't. And so that started making them, well, we're just not going to roll. We're just not going to do the campaign. Then yeah. okay, well, why not? So, yeah, there was just little things that I, I don't think that she could have anticipated. It was because it was just a couple little holes and little tiny different areas that got poked. And that's what how all the hot air came out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, the company also lied when it claimed to have a hundred million dollar revenue stream in 2014. That year, the company only made $100,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. The terms of Elizabeth's settlement included surrendering voting control of Theranos, a ban on holding an officer position in a public company for 10 years, and a $500,000 fine. So she's not allowed to be like a president or like a boss of a company for 10 years at least. At its height in 2015, Theranos had more than 800 employees. It fired 340 staff members in October of 2016 and an additional in 155 employees in January of 2017. In April of 2018, Theranos filed a WARN Act notice with the state of California announcing its plans to, um, to permanently lay off 105 employees, leaving it with fewer than two dozen employees. That's so sad for them. Yeah. Definitely. Most of the remaining employees were laid off in August of 2018. On September 5th of 2018, the company announced that it had begun the process of formally dissolving with its remaining cash and assets to be distributed to its creditors. Mm-hmm. So which, which, it literally in its peak was a world-renowned, mm-hmm. massive company worth nine billion (laughs) dollars and then it's just nothing the thing that sucks most about it is because obviously the employees didn't know it was going on. no they they did their job they did their little portion each day what they were supposed to and they had no idea and like the girl until they did yeah and like the lady that you said that she had just gotten out of college Mm -hmm. and she was coming in this to her this was going to be like career making yes like i'm working for this new inventive like Kind of like the Google or something yeah, for and, healthcare. And your name's going to basically go down in history for helping create this and be a part of this. And right. so now it's tainted. And now it's, oh, I was the whistleblower for Theranos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is still cool in its own right, but it's but, not right. as far as developing your career goes. But if you, you think know? of all 800 employees, yeah. Yeah. like that's... 
And then just not only, like I said, that there's that one woman, she literally invested a hundred thousand dollars. It was her entire life savings into this company and nothing. She has nothing to take care of herself now. Yeah. On June 15th of 2018, following an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of California in San Francisco that lasted more than two years, a federal grand jury indicted Elizabeth and former Theranos Chief Operating Officer and President Ramesh Balwani on nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Both pleaded not guilty, and prosecutors alleged that um, Elizabeth and Balwani engaged in two criminal schemes, one to defraud investors and the other to defraud doctors and patients. After the indictment was issued, uh, Elizabeth stepped down as CEO of Theranos but remained a chair of the board. The trial is set to begin September 7th of 2021. It had been pushed back, obviously, because Corona and everything, Mm -hmm. that whole thing got pushed back. Um, But also, our lovely Elizabeth Holmes is now Elizabeth Evans, I believe. Okay. Um, She married Billy Evans, who... Are you ready for this, my dear friends? Um, he is a hotel heir, and <laughs> his family fortune is worth, I believe, seven or eight billion dollars. Oh, she's completely bankrupt. Has no money. Now nothing. she does, but she's married, and now she's expecting their first child together. Oh, so she is due. Lovely. Actually, this is so. This is in June of 2021, and she is due in July. And she's in jail right now, or she's out? No, she has not been convicted or charged. She's been charged, but she's never been convicted, so she has not gone to jail yet. It's still just kind of like a civil trial, so it's not... It's probably a great area for everyone. Yeah, Yeah. so I... If she is convicted, she, uh, I believe, will serve 20 years. Damn. Let me double check. That poor kid's going to grow up without a mom. Yeah. Um. So, okay, if convicted, she faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. So maximum is 20 years. Okay. Um, she probably won't. And she'd probably get out on good behavior. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, not good, but good for the baby aspect. Yeah. Not growing up without a mom. Anyways. Um. So she, 20 years of prison. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Okay, so... This is per sentence, and let's remember she has nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Oh. So 20 years in prison, a fine of $250,000 plus restitution for each count of wire fraud and for each conspiracy count. So she would never come out of jail, Mm. ever. This is going to go down in history as one of the biggest fraud cases of all time. So I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve to spend the rest of her life in prison, but I mean. And they're probably going to make an example out of her. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I just feel like this is, I don't know. I'm so weird about life sentences. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, unless somebody was murdered, I don't feel like a life sentence should be involved. Because she was fucking in her early 20s. We all do stupid ass shit when we're in our 20s. And I'm and hers was just on a much larger scale because of who her, she was and who her family was. Mm-hmm. You know, she should do time, 100%. Like I was saying, like that 20 years, that sounds right to me. 20 years in prison yeah, for what she did, nobody died. You know, if somebody were to be, manslaughter charges, okay. If somebody were to have died, but that's mm-hmm. not what happened. The potential, yes, but it didn't. And... To make her not have a life ever again because of, I just think that's a little much. Yeah. I mean, people get off on 
fucking rape charges and molesting children and ripping children apart. And that to me deserves a life sentence. Right. You know? Anyways, I'm sorry. Oh, why are you sorry? Because I'm talking about sad things. Why? I don't know. I was shouldn't be. That's what our podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much it. Oh, I was going to give updates on her current status. I don't feel like I really need to read all of this legal jargon, but, um, so basically, right now, they are in pre-trial motion. They're trying to, um, A, argue over what's to be discussed in the case and what okay. jurors are supposed to be um, made aware of, such as her very illicit spending habits oh, and the mass amounts of money that she spent while she had the money to do so. You know, I, prob- I have a really bad impulse buying habit that I've picked <laughs> up. And I feel like I would have, no, I would never have conned anybody. But if I had a lot of money, money I probably wouldn't it. have anything. Right. Well, their thing, their reasoning, behind, prosecutors want to be able to bring that up to jurors because, and they want to, they want to be able to say each time she made these extravagant purchases, she knew in her mind yeah, she was defrauding no. these yeah. people. But what they're trying to prove, you know, the defense is trying to say, that had nothing to do with it. That wasn't our intentions. She was just living an extravagant lifestyle yeah. because that's what she's been used to her whole life. Yeah. So there's, you know, and they have actually issued to where they are going to be able to discuss it, but it's not going to be in detail. Like they can't say, oh, she spent $30,000 on a Rolex watch. Right. I, if that's how much they cost, I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I feel like probably. On the low end. <clears throat> but, um, but they can't go in detail and say, okay, she spent you know, $10,000 on this vacation or they can just say this is how much money she was spending. Right. You know, not s- detailed specifics, I guess. Um, So they're trying to decide that. And then they're also, <laughs> one of the biggest things is they had, <laughs> because they're trying to pick the jurors right now. Okay. And when you are in the process of becoming a juror, you have to answer all these questions mm-hmm. that could differentiate whether or not you're going to, um, have like a conflict of interest in yeah. the case or whatever, you know, unbiased as possible. Right. So they have they're supposed to have a list of questions that they have to answer to see if they fall into that. Mm-hmm. Well, they had three hundred questions, three hundred some odd questions that Damn. they were trying that the defense, you know, Elizabeth's team were wanting to so they could have a very specific. Oh my God. <laughs> jury i should they shouldn't be allowed to have well and that's that's what that's kind of what they're going back and forth over and they they cut it down from 300 and now it's only like 100 and some odd questions still a lot yeah that's still insane but um that's the story of our silicon valley princess elizabeth holmes yeah y'all should go watch the 2020 episode it's actually really interesting it is and it it's not it boring goes, like you think it no, would be. No, and what's funny is, and I feel like we've kind of talked about this a couple times before, but I never in my life thought that I would really enjoy watching 2020 mm-hmm. specials, but they're pretty interesting. They do it really good. Like, it, to where you, it's not just boring documentary. Like, like facts and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it just catches your interest. Yeah. Okay, friends, so my sources for today are Forbes.com, Refinery29.com, FoxBusiness.com, businessinsider.com and of course wikipedia.com okay i'm gonna get into mine then proceed so i'm doing mine on one of the most haunted places in america that was my spooky fact so it's the moon river brewery moon river brewery yes and i feel like i really like that name i do too 
And um, my sources are Wikipedia and nightlyspirits.com. Wicca what? <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so ghost hunters and ghost adventures have both investigated here. I oh. actually think it's Ghost Adventures first episode, season one. Oh. I haven't watched it yet. But. Interesting. Um, the stories have been coming from the staff and customers of the brewery for about 10 years now. Okay. Enough people who go there experience supernatural events that it has developed a reputation as one of the best places to go if you actually want to experience a haunting. Oh, okay. So you go, your chances are really high. Yeah, to have so an experience. Gonna, something's going to happen. They're going to throw something at you. Someone's yeah. getting slapped in the face. <laughs> Pitch slap. <laughs> what was uh, that girl's name? Some Bell. Katie Bell. No. Was it Katie Bell? No. It was like Betsy or Betty. Betty. Yeah. Oh, Betty. So, <laughs> a Bell Witch, if you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. She, um, she got the bejesus smacked out of her. I don't her. remember which episode it was, but it was it's in one of the one. earlier ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, this is located in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, Savannah. I've always wanted to go there. Me too. Um, I just think Georgia's pretty. Definitely. Um, it's one of the oldest cities in America. Interesting. Fact, the buildings in Savannah are old and beautiful with architect that has remained true to its roots. And some of the most interesting Savannah history can be found at the Moon River Brewing Company. Oh, cool beans. So when the building was built, it was in 1821 and it started as a hotel. Mm-hmm. So the owner, Elazer Early, and his wife commissioned it to be built. Um, it was made into... Um, the City Hotel is what it was called, um, which was made, it was basically made for like the rich and famous who wanted to come see the beautiful, quiet city of Savannah. Mm-hmm. And notable guests include James Audubon, who liked, the ho- who liked the hotel so much he actually stayed for six months. And if you're like, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, he was an ornithologist, naturalist, and a painter. And he was well known for a color-plated book called The Birds of America. Which oh, my God. published in 1877. So he's my best friend. So you know who that is? Fuck no. But I want to. Oh, I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. Is this no, like, he's popular? my best friend. He paints. He likes nature. He wrote a book about fucking birds. There you go. He was your soulmate. Y'all just weren't in the oh, same time period. I'm sorry. Sad. <laughs> like two ships passing in the night. Unless y'all were different, you know, maybe you were with him in a past life. I don't know. I don't know. But I fed some pistachios to some crows on my way to here yesterday. I fed my egg McMuffin to some crows the other day and they were happy with me. Oh, um, that's they lovely. They didn't shit on my car that day. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of cars... Are we derailing? Parking ticket? Oh, it was just, it wasn't like a parking ticket. So in my, at my work, we have a parking garage and the security, okay, so at the bottom floor, which is right across from my work, um, because we're on the first floor, I like to park there, but it's the visitor section. Oh. And so you have to park up on like the second floor up, like technically by the building. Right. And they... But they don't have my car on file because I had gotten a new one like after over a working year, there, yeah. And I hadn't given them my new vehicle information, so I'd gotten away with it I because to the them, too. <laughs> to them, they were like, "Oh, we don't know who this belongs to, so it must be a visitor." So right. I was able to park there, and then no, they caught on, and then they put a notice on my car. But I wasn't fined anything, and they can't ever find me anything. That's it's what, just to be an asshole. Yeah, that's what they would do at the casino because I would literally park right outside in that parking garage right mm-hmm. by that door but we we're supposed to park an employee parking which is which, literally a mile away why would i want to park so far away yeah. when we're on the first floor and 
I like to be on time. I have a problem with being late. Mm, I have a major I, problem. I get anxiety if I'm yeah. even like if I'm ten minutes late. I'm or if I'm ten minutes early, that's late for me. Oh, like I have to be fi- like at least fifteen minutes Does early. You just be settled before yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, that's my issues. We're gonna get on with sorry. the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the city hotel. Okay. Um, it is actually still one of the most beautiful buildings in Savannah because it just has so much history and it has like that, you know. That vibe. Yeah. And it's just still from that time period. Right. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm sleepy. It has been a landmark in the South since it was first built and none of the things that have happened there have stopped that from being true, apparently. The building that houses the brewery has been gorgeous since it was built and it still remains a gorgeous building to see whether you want to see a ghost or not, so... Go check it out. All right. So regardless of whether a ghosties come, it's still pretty. Yeah. Cool. So the city hotel was closed in 1864. This was a little bit before German or General Sherman took Savannah during the Civil War. Okay. The city hotel never reopened after the war. It did suffer a little bit of damage and stuff. Um, the building was used as a hospital a few times. Savannah has seen many yellow fever outbreaks over time, so the building oh. became a hospital and housing for yellow fever patients. Oh. It is estimated hundreds of people, mostly children, died on the upper floors of the building. That's why it's haunted, friends. Yeah. So the building was passed from business to business for a while, and then it did, and then it did sit, and then it did sit empty for about twenty years. So that's oh, wow. a long time. That is a long time. Um, until the Moon River Brewery Company saw the potential and decided to buy it and set up their business. Sounds like some shit we do. Yeah. <laughs> Go get a 20-year-old abandoned building. This looks like fun. Let's spruce it up. <laughs> um, so since opening the business, um, the business and the customers have had like a lot of experiences. Uh-huh. And they opened up in 1999. Oh, okay. So the hundreds of children who died of yellow fever are the most <laughs> numerous death. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that. Just... They opened up in 1999. So, <laughs> hundreds of children that died of yellow fever. <laughs> I know. I kind of... My segue there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have that in my notes, so I just kind of put it in and I gotcha. went on to the next one. Sorry. Okay, yes. It is very sad. We're not laughing at... No. No, I'm not laughing at that. At I'm me. just laughing at the way that that... Yeah, I'm sorry. That out. was bad. So, was yes. Funny. The hundreds of children that died there of yellow fever are... The most numerous deaths that took place. So though it was mostly children who died, many adults also died on the top floors of the building. Dying young and sick is always a tragedy, and it leaves that mark and impact and energy. That's so. what I was going to say is I feel like when it comes to kids and when they – and I think that why their hauntings are so prominent. Like that one – that one I don't remember. It was some – Hotel or hospital that you were talking about that had the little girl that was like with their, the red ball. Yes, that was like super cute, but yeah, she was very prominent and she came often. Yeah, and I think it's because when they die so young, their little brains haven't even begun to grasp the other side of the world, and they right. don't. And so when the stuff happens, they don't know what to do. And they probably don't even know they're dead half no. the time. No, and so and it's just like they don't know how to proceed from there. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe that's just maybe. my. Thoughts. Nobody knows, though. No, definitely. But we will know when we do know. But we don't know But right when now. you know, then you're already yep. there. And so yep. you can't tell no one here. <laughs> or at least they don't listen to you. I've learned that people who talk to the other side, they usually are crazy in most people's eyes. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> lots of 
Sorry. Lots of tragedy happened here. Tragedy. So it's got a lot of energy that is tragic with a big D. <laughs> Do you say tragic uh, with a big D? Tragic with a big D. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> not only were there those deaths, but there were a lot of violence, including a shooting of a well-known town vagrant. So in 1834, a doctor by the name of Dr. Philip Minus shot a drunk man named James Stark inside the then hotel. Can I pause you again for a second to derail for a moment? I'm sorry. But that reminds me of like the town famous vagrant, Ladybug Sam. Oh, if you know, you know, Ladybug Sam. I I miss her. I do too. My interactions with her were quite... So it was unique to give some background in Carlsbad, New Mexico, where we both grew up. There was a homeless woman who loved being homeless. That's what she chose. Like she chose to, she had money. Yeah. She just did not want to live society's Um, life. We think that there was some mental illness Mm -hmm, there and I just, it wasn't being taken care of and her, I don't know her backstory. I, I, I did know it. Because um, the Carlsbad Current Argus did an article about it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go look it up. But yeah, she gave herself the nickname Ladybug Sam in that article. And so that's what everybody knew her around. And right. It was just kind of like she was famous in our little town. And I don't she even was. think she knew it. She would come into Chili's all the time and hang out and drink her hot tea and mm-hmm. talk on her phone to her boy. She had a boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. But, yeah. yeah. But just she ended up. I think I think what happened is she moved back to. um it's a it's somewhere still near Carlsbad, but I think it's in Texas, and it's where her children live. So I think okay. that's where she last I heard is where she went. So okay. I don't know, but well, hopefully she just made me okay. think of her. Okay, so where was I? Okay, yeah. So like I said, um, uh, in 1832, a doctor by the name of Philip, um, Doctor Philip Minus, shot a drunk man named James Stark inside the then hotel. Mm-hmm. James Stark was a known drunk and troublemaker who seemed to have a reputation for in- insulting people and then being hated by the people of Savannah. <laughs> so, oh, gee, friend, I wonder why. <laughs> so after Dr. Minus shot Stark, he insisted that he had seen Stark going for his gun first. Oh. Dr. Minus was quickly acquitted, because no one questioned it, mm-hmm. of the crime as Stark was not liked in the town and Savannah needed a doctor. So, um... They were just gonna like you know, we got rid of one problem, but That's we cool. need you to stay because yeah, we, we you're need you have to stay here. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So an unpunished murder could be enough to leave um a man who was known to be angry in life behind to cause more trouble. So definitely, he could definitely still be there. Okay. So one of the biggest acts of violence that occurred in the walls of the brewery took place in 1860. The Civil War had not yet started. But there was already a clear hatred for Yankees in Georgia. Oh. this is I, I don't know if that's a slur word to some people. So I'm sorry. I'm just reading off of I what's... feel like if it is, it's silly. Because Yankees and Confederates were like a legit thing. Like okay. there was a division there of. So yeah, don't I know. I know today if you were to call someone a Yankee, it's kind of a slur. But back in yeah. those terms. I just didn't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. This is just what Keep I your feathers reading. all pretty and preened. Yes. We're not here to ruffle yes. them. Yes, no, I'm just reading you things. So, <laughs> um, a Yankee by the name of Jane, James Sinclair came into town and decided to stay in the city hotel. The residents of Savannah were not happy about this, so they tried to pressure Sinclair into leaving town of his own accord, but he refused. 
So the anger and hate of a Yankee in town were enough to cause a mob to form the streets of Savannah. Not only a mob, but a lynch mob. Oh, shooters. They marched through the city and into the hotel. They dragged Sinclair into the streets. How freaking terrifying. So they dragged him out to the streets outside of the building where they stripped and beat him. Oh, my God. Sinclair lived through the accident or through the incident, but was beaten near enough to the point of death that the violent experience might have caused him to come back and haunt the place. So even if even if he's not actually haunting it, I do feel like that residual energy oh, could yeah. still be there for sure. And be fed on by yeah. things that we just don't know. Totally. That's so sad. It Anyways. is sad. Um, so the American Institution of Paranormal Psychology called called Savannah the most haunted city in America in 2003. Arguably the most haunted building in the most haunted city in America is the Moon River Brewing Company. The building is widely regarded, like I said, as one of the most haunted buildings in America. Yeah. So every floor of the brewery has some sort of ghostly activity going on. A needle pulling Um, thread? Yeah, so... Many of these encounters have been experienced during visits and tours, and this building is one of the few places where people on ghost tours have actually reported supernatural experiences. So it's like, you know, like how you and I went on that ghost tour in San Antonio, and we thought, because it was, we were going to go on the TAPS one, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a well-known, like, I think they have their own show, but they're a paranormal investigating team. And we were in downtown San Antonio, and we wanted to go do, like, the Alamo and everything. But we found this other chick that we went on a tour with. But we thought we were actually going investigating. Yeah. It like was more legit, of, like, a history. It's kind of, it was like just a tour. tour. And they gave you props. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was, like, it was fun. It was and it was fun. interesting because we never really been to San Antonio. So we got to go walk the streets yeah. and see the cool buildings and learn the history. But as far as, like, a... It was it was really just a, a glorified letdown. history. It was a letdown tour. Yeah, as it was far not as paranormal investigation whatsoever. Yeah. But um, but so like a lot of times, like you'd go on those tours, but this one actually had activity going on. Ooh, see that would be fun. And so we should. Go and do I that. just feel like those kind of tours are silly because they all go outside. You're just walking the streets and the sidewalks and you never go inside anything. No. I'm sorry, but any like okay, do you really think ghosts are just going to start fucking with people walking down the street all no. day? Like no, they don't give a shit unless you're in there disturbing their space. Yeah. So, I don't know. We were just young. I think yeah. I what, you were like what? 8th grade? Yeah, and I was yeah, cuz it was when Sophie was just like a year old, yeah. I think. Um, so the numerous ghost stories coming from the brewery have caused several paranormal investigators to film. Like I told you, ghost adventures and ghost hunters both right. have gone there. Mm-hmm. But because there are, it's an open, they, they can't shut down for these people to come and investigate. So it's not oh, I see. necessarily the best place to have, have paranormal invest- investigators come in because there's so many people in there that it's hard to like catch anything i'm sure well and that and there's a busy street so if you hear a noise like it could you're be you're not going right you can't de- like it could know be know for sure right you can't know for sure where it's yes. coming from gotcha gotcha so we're going to get into the hauntings okay so the first floor is the basement so we're going to start at the bottom and move our way up okay doke the most famous ghost is called or is named toby oh hey toby 
and is often seen wandering in the basement. Interesting. This is one of the ghosts that the the staff saw often enough they decided that they deserved a name. Oh, okay. So I feel like if you give a basement Toby a name, it gives it more, more power. energy for sure. Is that so, you? that's why they always tell you not to name the demons, <laughs> or maybe you do name them? And no, I don't know. I don't know. So the basement is know. known as the most active floor. Obviously, mm-hmm. Toby is known to brush up against the people playing in the billiards room or get frustrated with them and push them. All right, he's like, God, you suck at freaking pool. Get away. <laughs> Let me do it. Let me show you how a real master works these balls and Shut sticks. up. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to say that. So <laughs> my brain only knows perverted things. So Same. that's where it went. <laughs> okay. So some people believe that slaves were actually kept in the basement, which would oh. be a reason for a haunting. But and for Toby. No, yeah. But there's no evidence that this is true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so people who have been in the basement of the brewery have reported many different signs of hauntings. These include sudden coldness, bottles falling or being thrown, and the feeling of being touched by someone who is not there. A lot of these reports obviously come from the staff and the customers that go down there. So we're going to get to the main floor. Um, The second floor of the brewery is also known for having many strange occurrences. This is the floor where James Stark was shot by Dr. Minus. There are differing reports of where exactly the the shooting took place, but they all seem to agree that it was somewhere on the main floor. Many people believe that Stark is the reason many people report liquor bottles being thrown. Oh. There are also those who believe he is the reason for some of the more violent reports of grabbing, hitting, and pushing that people experience while inside. That's terrifying. So he's the bully ghost. Yeah. He's the peeves. Yes. So the main floor is also where the dining room is located. There have been a few customers who have said they felt someone touched them while they were eating, but no one was around them. And several women have also complained of feeling cold in the bathroom or being locked into a stall. Listen now. That would be terrifying. We don't do rapey ghosts. Come on. What? I mean, they didn't touch them inappropriately. It would just get cold and then lock them in the stall. (laughs) You're not leaving. You're going to watch you pay. That just says a lot about the ghost, though. Yeah, like, why do you even hang out in a Creeper. moaning myrtle? <laughs> <laughs> this floor might not be the most haunted in the building, but it's likely because it's so busy with people. Um, but it has had some activity. Some incidents. There's just a lot of in and out of it, so they can't. I don't know. I feel like right. it would make it even more powerful because they have a lot more energy to draw upon. But Maybe, that's just but it's, it could also be ignored energy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're not paying attention to it because there's so much other stuff going True. on yeah, that maybe they just kind of get dismissed. So, the third floor. The two top floors are known to have more violent encounters than those happen, like, in the other floors. Mm-hmm. A full-body apparition is known as the woman in white. It has been seen on the third floor several times by many different people. Mm. She is one of the most well-known ghosts of the brewery and is sometimes referred to as Miss Johnson. The third floor is also one of the floors where many children died of yellow fever, like I've mentioned Mm -hmm. several times. Um, This means it is no surprise that many workers and patrons have reported hearing children talking and playing on this floor. Um, when even the people who run the brewery are talking about hearing children running in the halls, you know there's something going on. So, anyways. Little creepy kids? Yeah. Just kidding. That's a lot. I don't know. Children. I feel like 
children are the creepiest ghosts. Yeah. No, that's a lie. Well, they could be demons disguising themselves as that's ghosts. That's true. But I also feel like just the creepy crawly things that call <laughs> like like the thing like the creeper. Uh-uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Okay, uh-huh. so in the 1990s, there was some construction being done on the third floor. During this time, the wife of the foreman was pushed down the stairs on the third floor and fell all the way down the staircase. Oh, shit. She and was she shoved, lived? Yeah. She was oh. shoved hard enough that it was clear that she had not simply fallen. Yeah, somebody pushed that girl. Yeah, so the foreman immediately stopped construction on the building and they all just left. I'm just curious, like, what she did to make it so mad. It was probably because it was stirring up all the energy. Yeah, but her. I know, but maybe it's against women somehow. He's like, listen, you need to get your man in control. <laughs> They'd be working on my place. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that's what they said. That's what they said. So that's my great Georgia ghost accent. I don't know. <laughs> that's not even like Southern at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So she, the foreman immediately stopped the construction and they all left. Um, several other people have reported feeling people pulling on them and pushing them when they walk on the stairs of in the brewing company. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes place on the third floor, which many people believe has the most aggressive spirits. So don't go to the third floor. Oh, unless okay. you want aggressive. Unless you yeah. like it that way, you know. Shut up. We don't judge here. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the final floor, which is the fourth floor, has been said to have dark energy about it. It has been said? Yes, it has been said to have dark energy about it. It has been said. This could be because the majority of yellow fever victims and patients were housed on this floor while the building was being used as a hospital. Interesting. Um, There aren't a lot of reports of actual activity happening on this floor, Mm -hmm. um, but there's just been a lot of just feeling this overwhelming like, sense of darkness yeah. when you're up there like it's just, just hard like dread and yeah. just everybody's gonna die feeling <laughs> uh, basically <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so there have been a few ghost hunters that have come to investigate like i've said uh-huh. a few television shows have been filmed there after hours and ghost hunters will take the tours to see if they find anything sadly like I've said before, the brewery is not an exactly ideal place for ghost hunting. Um, the brewery is active and has customers throughout the day and night, as well as workers. The building is also on a fairly busy street with car and road noise that come through the thin old walls. This has made many people say that the brewery is not an ideal place for ghost hunting. Again, I just re- <laughs> reiterated. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the story of the, the Moon Place Brewery. The Moon River Brewery moon in River. Savannah, Georgia. We really should go visit there. I feel yeah. like that sounds like a fun place. We'll add it to our literally disturbed bucket list. Yeah. Places to add for our patrons. Patron. What? How do you say it? Patrons? patrons? Patrons. For our patrons to go and visit us. Yeah. See what we're doing okay. one day. Yeah. So I guess we're going to let Sophie tell her story. What it do, Sophie Boo? <laughs> okay. Well, so-so. Hey, Sophie. What do you got for me this week? Uh, Gnomes. Gnomes? Yes. Those cute little garden gnome looking things? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Today we'll be talking about the gnomes. Okay. Gnomes are usually known for being garden items. The garden gnome was first created in 1840 in Germany. The reason why many people put gnomes in their garden back then was because the gnome was symbolized as peace and would protect crops from birds and thieves. Oh, that's cute. Legends consider gnomes to be protectors of the classical elements air, 
fire, water, and most importantly, earth. Ooh, got airbender stuff going on. Yeah. (laughs) Gnomes are described as protecting treasures of the earth from humans. Okay. Gnomes of underground and legend states that they can easily move through the earth. Gnomes are always described as being small and wearing canonical hats. Myths claim that gnomes are sensitive to sunlight, and some legends remark that the light of the sun will turn gnomes into stone. Oh, interesting. Okay. The mythical gnome in history were thought to live underground, and their name is thought to derive from a Latin word from, for earth dweller. Okay. They were popular in, Germ- in German fairy tales and were often described as old men who guard treasure. <laughs> old men that guard treasure, okay. However, gnomes or similar creatures were also found in folklore from many different countries. They were went by different names such as Nisse in Denmark and Norway and Duende in Spain and Hob in England. Okay. Gnomes consist of numbers of different types. The most common is the forest gnome who rarely comes into contact with man. The garden gnome lives in old gardens and enjoys telling melancholy tales. Dune gnomes are slightly larger than the woodland brethren and choose remarkably draped clothing. House gnomes have most knowledge of man, often speaking his language. It is from his family that gnome kings are chosen. Farm gnomes resemble their house brethren and the most conservative in manner and dress. Suburban gnomes have, have more interpreted than other gnomes and associate freely with trolls. They are much larger than other types of infinitely more nasty nature, and it is best never to evoke or ire such gnomes. They delight in revenge. In Sims 4, <laughs> as we all have played it, yeah, well, most people, well, yeah. yeah, we've played it. Right. Okay, so you and I have played it. Yeah, in Sims 4, there are gnomes, and during Thanksgiving holiday, they usually appear in your Sims house and spawns in seats. Mm-hmm. And you piss it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can name the gnome, give them cake, or just food in general, and you can kick them. Okay. Now let's talk about what happens when you kick them. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and just like in folklore, they can retaliate. Like in like once I kicked a gnome in my game, and it's, it got really angry. Like it started spawning in a bunch of his other friends. <laughs> like, wait, so there's two main guys. Mm-hmm. There was a girl and the guy with like a pool hoodie on. Okay. And then I kicked one of them, and it spawned in, like, two other ones, mm-hmm. and then the more more spawned, and they just move around. Mm-hmm. Like, once they all surrounded my shower while I was taking a shower. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. That's funny. And they broke all of my stuff, like my sinks, my toilets, all my stuff. They put it... Like, of course, you kicked one of them. <laughs> they put trash all over my house. Yeah. Um, there was one, like, green one. I named it Cash Mash. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's the only name I can remember from that game because I can't get back to it for some reason. <laughs> it won't load. Uh-huh. But I remember one name. It was a little green goblin and I named it Cash Mash. <laughs> and I- Why don't you get him again and just name him that since you can name him? Yeah. But, yeah, don't kick the gnomes. Or okay. It just isn't a fun experience. Noted. Thank you for that. Anyway, um, hope you all enjoyed today's creature. We did. Gnome. I did. Thank you for that. Super fun. Yes. I guess. I, I, oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, bye. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode yeah. of Literally Disturbed. Disturbed. But before you leave, um, oh, if yeah. you would All like, our socials and stuff. If you would like to follow us on our socials, um, Instagram is at Literally Disturbed Podcast. Click. Um, Twitter is literally D pod. Like, 
We have um, a Facebook and a Facebook group. You can find us at literally or official literally disturbed podcast group. Um, and then you can just find us on Facebook by literally disturbed. Follow. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Sorry, you. I was waiting for that um, and if you have any personal true crime or paranormal stories that you would like to send us so we could read on a listener episode, you can send it to our email at literally disturbed podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to donate to us because you love us and want we to help us you. and we appreciate you. You don't have to, like I said. We will love you regardless of whether yes. you give us money, just so you know. But you can go to patreon.com and I think it's just like slash literally disturbed or you can just search for us on there. And if you don't want to do all that, you can go to our Instagram and there is a link in the bio that will take you to our Patreon. So yeah, we appreciate you guys and thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Yes. And, and again, remember... We have some really cool exclusive content for our patrons. Yes. Pa- Patri- Patreon members. Patrons. Pat- Why can't I say that? I say Patreon Good all Lord. the time. It's for confusing. our patri- pa- patrons? Yes. Our patrons. Yes. Just, just really, yep. you want to check it out. Yeah. Because we had fun. We and then you can see Katie pretty much get eaten by a bug. And fall down. And, and we snakes. almost die. And bra- yes, literally snakes. snakes. Okay. But yeah, y- y'all go check it out. You get it. We love you. Bye. Bye.